0: Gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter, beginning to read at the fourteenth verse. Now they, meaning the disciples, had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And Jesus cautioned them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they discussed it with one another, saying, We have no bread. And being aware of it, Jesus said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And Jesus said to them, do you not yet understand? Amen. Jesus had a communication problem with his disciples. He just could not many times get them to understand who he was and what he was trying to do here in the world. He said they had eyes to see, but they saw not. They had ears to hear, but they heard not, and he could have added, you have hearts to understand, but you understand not. So he asked them the question. Do you not yet understand? Jesus asked that disciple two thousand, asked that question of his disciples 2,000 years ago, and he asks it of us who call ourselves disciples today. Do you not yet understand? Now when he asks us that, I think he's asking us several things and wanting us to understand some things. First of all, I think he wants us to understand that it's altogether possible to misunderstand Jesus. Just because we go to church or read our Bibles or listen to sermons or participate in church school classes, that does not necessarily make us immune to a misunderstanding of who Jesus is and what he says. Yes, it's very, very easy to, to misunderstand Jesus. He, throughout all of his ministry, found out that what he was saying, other people were not hearing. To the Pharisees, you know, they, they came thinking that he was superseding the law, and he said, No, I've just come to fulfill it. Throughout his entire earthly ministry of three years, he was the most misunderstood man. And what happened then still happens today, those of us like Mr. Bruter and myself who feel that we have been called to be interpreters of His Word. One of the things that concerns us is that oftentimes we are misunderstood when we try to preach and teach. I know many ministers, but I honestly can say I don't think I really know anyone, man or woman, who in the pulpit tries deliberately to mislead, misguide, misdirect, or to present misunderstanding of who and what Jesus is and is trying to do. Yet it happens. Well, you should hear some of the things that you say I said from this pulpit. (laughs) At least that's not what I thought I said, but that's what you heard. Now you know the problem so often Misunderstanding comes for different reasons. Sometimes I think it comes because there's a possibility of duplicity in what we are trying to say. Sometimes you can take things two or three different ways. Joe Brown illustrates this beautifully by an article which he wrote in Monday's Post-Gazette under his byline entitled Our Town. Maybe you read it. I didn't. My mother called my attention to it, and some of you since then have clipped it and given to me the article, and here it is where Joe Brown, who who writes regularly in that column, has borrowed from the Reverend H. Wayne Wayne Fink from Katanning a collection of bullet announcements that can be taken in several different ways. Uh, You may want to look up the article. Don't have time to read all of it, but He says, this appeared in a bulletin announcement. One preacher meant one thing. His congregation undoubtedly thought something else. It went like this. This being Easter Sunday, we will ask Mrs. Swanson to come forward and lay an egg on the altar. (laughs) You see, he meant one thing. The congregation meant something else. Here's another one. This afternoon, there will be a meeting in the north and south ends of the church. The children will be baptized in both ends. It happens, you see, in church as well as as outside. It comes through when you can take something when it means two or three different ways. Sometimes we have misunderstanding simply because of idiosyncrasies and particularities that we have in our own language. I'll never forget several years ago when our offices were still in this building before we had the administration building where now all the church offices are housed We ministers were on the second floor off the balcony up there, and I remember one day someone came and wanted to see one of the ministers and asked Mrs. Kennedy, our administrative secretary, if reverend, and I won't give you his name, but if reverend so-and-so was loose upstairs. Now, he... (laughs) (laughs) You'll never know. You'll never know. But, but, but you see, we have this because people have a way of particularly saying something and other people hearing it differently because of peculiarities in our speech. But I think really the reason most of us misunderstand is is what we call preoccupation, which means that the person who is speaking has his mouth engaged with a preoccupied line of thinking, and the person who is listening has his ears engaged with a preoccupied line of thinking, and the preoccupation is not the same. You see, this is beautifully illustrated in this particular passage which we read. Jesus is talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. He has just come from a confrontation with those people who were trying to trip him up. Jesus crawls in the boat with his disciples. He is still mentally involved in that conversation which he has physically left, but he's still thinking in terms of the Pharisees. Now the particular disciples weren't thinking about the Pharisees, they were thinking about their bellies and they were hungry. So when Jesus used that one word, leaven, meaning it symbolically or figuratively in his interpretation, meaning infusion or influence, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of of Herod, the disciples, because they were preoccupied on their stomachs, when they heard the word leaven, they thought of it literally in the terms of bread. And where Jesus was talking about influence, the disciples thought he was talking about bread. And they misunderstood Jesus. There They were in the same boat in which he was. They were closer than you and I will ever be to the physical Jesus, this side of heaven. And they misunderstood our Lord. And so it can happen with us. And I think Jesus wants us to understand that we can misunderstand Jesus. See, that's why it is so, so important that when you're studying Bible, when you become a student and a disciple of Jesus, you just don't read, but you understand things like hermeneutics, which is the science of interpretation. You you understand semantics because words do change in their meaning, especially over 2,000 years of time, that you understand something about the conditions, about the people, the, the traditions, and the customs in which those words were spoken. You see, there's a lot of theology going around today. Some of it built upon a misunderstanding, in my mind. And it's built upon the idea because some people have misunderstood Jesus. It's very easy, you know, to to take him speaking literally when in essence he was speaking figuratively. And you can take some of his words and try to make him say some things that he never said. And a misunderstanding is one of the reasons why today in Protestant Christianity, which is just one branch of the three branches of Christianity, the other two being Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, In in Protestantism, we have more than 225 denominations, of which United Presbyterianism is one. And I guarantee you, they are built upon misunderstandings that people have had what Jesus said. So ladies and gentlemen, we want to be sure in our faith, yes, but in our study, in our continuing revelation, which is coming from God, in the work of the Holy Spirit who is speaking things to us and bringing to us remembering for us all things that Jesus spoke unto us may we remember to understand that it's altogether possible to misunderstand Jesus so let's test those spirits and see if they be of God and let's realize that possibility can exist and just because I say something or somebody else who who thinks he has authority says something It may be true, but let's test it again and again to the actual words of Jesus. When Jesus asks us, do you not yet understand, I think he wants us to understand that there is absolutely nothing which does not stand under him. You see, those disciples made the same mistake that you and I so often make they felt that there were some things that you don't ask Jesus. There are some things you don't talk about in Jesus' boat or in Jesus' house. They're talking about bread. But notice, they didn't ask Jesus about bread, they talked amongst themselves about their lack of bread. Now, if they would have only thought and remembered and used their brain power, they knew that they would have known that Jesus is very much interested in bread. They would have remembered that back back when Jesus led Moses out of the land of Egypt, that one of the last instructions he gave them the night before, or the day before the night when the angel of death passed over was to how to prepare their bread. And when they were out there in the wilderness, it was God who sent down rain from heaven in the form of manna. If they didn't know their history, at least they should have remembered their experiences because it was in their presence, with their help, that Jesus had taken the five fish and multiplied it by his power and miracle into feeding more than 5,000 people, and there were 12 baskets left over. It was seven fishes that he took and miraculously multiplied them so that 4,000 could be fed on another occasion, and still seven baskets were left over. They should have known... That Jesus, who calls himself the bread of life, was interested in bread. But they didn't. Like so many of us, they think there are certain things you don't talk about in the presence of Jesus. I know people that get upset when, when they think the pulpit is speaking about politics. You don't talk about politics from the pulpit. Jesus not interested in how we govern ourselves? you you don't talk about money (laughs) you don't talk about some of our social problems sexuality that's a word you don't use in church when are we ever going to learn that Jesus was present with his father when he created things and when that part of the Trinity created all things he created them good There is absolutely nothing under the sun that Jesus is not interested in. He's interested in bread. He's interested in every subject that affects you and me. And how so often Jesus uses a particular subject that we think he's not interested in to actually introduce us to him. Yes, the disciples, we can't blame them or fault them at this time, but only if they would have known what was going to happen later on in, in Mark's gospel. Because, you see, it is there that Jesus himself says that we should ask, Jesus, or ask God for bread when, when we are to pray. We're to pray for God to provide us for our daily bread. And notice the sequence, and I don't think it's by accident. We're to pray for bread before we're to ask for forgiveness or ask for power not to go into temptation. They didn't know it, but when Jesus wanted people to remember him after his death on the cross, how did he say we were to do it? Jesus took bread, bread, and he broke it, and he said, Whosoever eateth of this, eateth of his body. This do in remembrance of me. And you'll remember our resurrected Lord when he appeared unto those who found it very hard to recognize him. How did he do it to the two men who he walked with on the road to Emmaus? when he broke bread in their midst and gave it to them, that is when and where they recognize Jesus. Some of these subjects that we want to stay away from in church, I think, are sometimes the very subjects that Jesus wants to use to introduce us to his living spirit. When are we going to learn and understand that there is absolutely nothing nothing in this world that does not stand under Jesus Christ. And when are we going to understand that if this world is going to stand under all of the evil pressures and powers that exist, it will be so only when we begin to cooperate with God and with each other in helping this world. See, God created us, ladies and gentlemen people who are not to be in conflict or in competition but who are to cooperate we are people who are to cooperate with him and with each other in helping to build this world god says we're to pray for our daily bread god will supply the elements but you and i have to do the baking god can't get along without us any more than we can get along without him he chose that not us god expects us to work with him to help solve the problems of this world. God wants us to work miracles with him. Do you notice something about the miracles of Jesus? He always worked them through people and with the help and the support of people. And I personally think God is expecting us to cooperate with other people to help him perform miracles in the world today. Miracles like the need for bread. You are Lucille Tuke this morning. You heard of some of the great concerns that the church, Jesus, has for the world. I'm sure there are probably some people who think that feeding the hungry is not the job of the church. It's the job of the government. The government's supposed to be doing everything, you know, these days. Now, it's Jesus' business. And whatever is Jesus' business is the business of Jesus' people. That's our job. And it's a big one. Hunger's been around for a long, long time. The church is starting to take that problem very seriously now in the name of Christ. And you know that today, March 28th, is a very historic day for our history. In 1976, today, the world will cross for the first time more than 4 billion people in population. Today's the day. For the first time, more than 4 billion billion people are living upon the face of the earth. And from the moment we sang the doxology until I pronounced the benediction in three and a half minutes, during that one hour time seven thousand people have died from starvation. Seven thousand. Today, on this historic day in the world, over 165,000 people will die because of starvation, and I don't know how large a percentage is—very large. Today, will have nothing more to eat than that which comes in a tablespoon of rice and the amount of tea that can fit in an individual tea bag. God's calling us, ladies and gentlemen, to join hands with Christians throughout the world to help him with the miracle of feeding the whole wide world. It sounds impossible, but remember with God, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Remember that story I told you a long time ago about the farmer out in the Midwest who had a big spread? And out there in his wheat field, his little girl who was sick, crawled out of the home in the infant stage and, and, and lost, got lost out there in the wheat field. And he called all his neighbors and together they came and they looked and they looked and they couldn't find. Finally, one somebody said, please, let's, let's join hands together and go through this field like a human rake, systematically going in our search. And they did, and within a half hour they found the little girl. But it was too late. She was dead. And the father said in the name of God why didn't we join hands sooner and when Jesus asks us do you not yet understand he doesn't want to hear our words saying oh yes or oh no he wants us to join hands with our brothers and with the Spirit of God and to be a miracle In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, you're very kind, you're very good, you're very patient. Help us, Father, with your help to be the powerful people you meant us to be. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be in abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.